Hello. Welcome to part two of the rise of the NWO. So to do differently, I'm going to air the next vignette for, um, for the smoking guns. Which is right here. May 3rd, I believe. thought that was more unique and less cheesy. So they were doing target practice almost with their pistols. And it actually it set up the explanation for the name of their team even more. So I think their second vignette helped them really big. Because I always wonder after watching all those other vignettes, I always wondered how were they able to set up the smoking guns vignette. I mean, with the vignettes, because I I know that at this time of starting to be uh, almost ridiculous. It wasn't really ridiculous until close to like say ninety five, ninety six, when they needed to change it. So I liked that better because um, it made it seem more serious and less cheesy with their words. And even though their names are the Smoking Guns, doing target practice doesn't seem as um, what we call cheesy. It just seems like it fits the character, so I like that. So to go back, so to go to the next part of the, um, the, this episode, the part that really made it the most important part was the third member, and they had said how, brought up how, um, Hulk Hogan had started getting old, his gimmick, and things that I didn't know until I became an adult. I didn't know this. 
I didn't know that he had gotten booed before he was Hollywood Hogan. I didn't know that. So that's what was really interesting about this story. To go back a little bit, the myth said that because the internet was not what it is today, that's why it was easy to believe it because even he believed it. And then Daniel Bryan said that on top of that, they didn't have knowledge of things like contracts. So made it even more easier to fool people. And the perception, which is probably why Kevin Nash doing this uh, clip right here with Scott Hall, where instead of being there to assault the big boys in WCW, they, ha they had tickets in their hand and popcorn in their hand to watch with the fans. Kevin said, we came to see the big boys! <laughs> And that was likely why he did that was because he knew that um, that that's how the the WWF fans felt. And Kevin Sullivan even said the reason they loved us so much is because they wanted they were like oh yeah the WWF's come to kick your butt and just like saying I was right all along. And to go back to Hulk Hogan, where he fit in in this equation, months before Hall and Nash were even approached by Eric Bischoff, Scott Hall, that is, him being the first person whose contract was coming up for renewal, or he could have let it expire, which he did. Yeah, months before that, Kevin Sullivan and specifically Eric Bischoff, specifically Eric Bischoff, were just kept on chipping away at him, saying, you need to make the switch, make the switch, make the switch. You know, you're losing your fans the more you go out there. you got to be a heel. And even Kevin Sullivan pointed out to him that... Now, here's a guy who spent his entire career being on the dark side himself. Epitomizing the dark side. And he said that when you look at the WWF, the perfect argument to make was that he said when you look at the WWF... Just that by this time, The Undertaker was their top babyface, which is still unbelievable because he hardly spoke at the time. He just had Paul Bear doing most of the talking, if not all the talking, so it was really interesting when you look back at it in that way. So, that was a perfect, um, example of why he should not have been so hesitant to turn heel. Especially when he needed to he needed to have his fans, needed to have people cheer him. So he kept on saying I can't do that. And his final, his final words to Bischoff were you 
won't understand this unless you walk a mile in my red and yellow boots. Then he showed him the door. So that's why he decided to go with, before he even chose what to call this angle, this meant to be an angle, it's not meant to be a group. So that was a big mistake on, I don't know if it's Bischoff, but it was definitely T, the Turner people's. Um, it's definitely a mistake on their part. You're not supposed, to, it's not supposed to be a group, the idea is to be, is to be unique, to be organic, to be like something to use against the WWF. But when you have Ham and Eggers to quote Bobby the Brain Heenan, when you have Ham and Eggers left and right joining or people that are in the latter part of their careers and are not doing anything anyway, when you have them join the NWO just just to get over the angle, it's it kills the idea of them being unique. So what was interesting about that was they started off that part of the started off that part of the episode by playing I can't believe this. Unplug the TV. had become the red and yellow uh, character with Hulk Hogan show how how dated this had become they play the 1980s music video or at least a clip of it, where for Hulk Hogan's song, Real American, where he's playing a red, white, and blue guitar. And when he saw Scott Hall come in, then Kevin Nash come in, and by the way, when they inducted Razor Ramon in the Hall of Fame, he said then how he made it cool to be bad and so that's why you're gonna understand why he turned hill and used the hollywood part of his name because how cool scott hall and kevin nash were especially scott hall so with me and jing even mentioned this that he had, I think he had a bottle or something thrown at him. They hit him in the nose as it was falling in the ring. He said, now they had a re now they had a legitimate reason to boo him because they turned on him. But it was so cool that after a while they started to cheer him instead. 
the biggest mistake Vince McMahon made, as much as it took the focus off of WCW, it, JBL, in JBL's words, it made them want to see WCW because they couldn't see Diesel and Razor, the real ones. And, uh, they showed... The first one they revealed was fake Razor. Didn't have the charisma, didn't have the sage presence that Scott Hall had, so of course it went over like a flatulating in church, to use Jim Ross's words. And then, you know, Glenn Jacobs, who's Kane, became Kane later on, he portrayed fake diesel and he did a great job but still not the same uh personality so of course of course it backfired on them and yes um they by the nwo being the what dx became to wwf that's what w that's what nwo was to wcw so, of course, it propelled them to new heights before WWF even became the Attitude Era. And they even showed all the people coming, like I said earlier, like the Giant and Big Bubba were the first two guys to join um, NWO. Marcus Bagwell joined the NWO and became Buff Bagwell after... Eric Bischoff joined them himself, which that was a surprise at the time. I say it was a surprise, but when you look back at that, you could see him gradually turning hill, because he did, he was not as he was not as vocal against them as he was when it started. So you could see he gradually was joining them. And come to find out, the reason he joined them was to take himself off of TV and to focus more behind the scenes. And I know how that sounds with all the times that he that he talked with them, but let me restate that. It was to take himself off of TV as a commentator. And when he spent all that time commentating, it got in the way of his of his duties as an executive so adding himself as a member of the NWO took pressure off of him and he did say that even though he he was conscious of the fact that it was going to affect his dealings with other talent he was strong he felt strong enough about the um about the storyline and I just was talking to my mom about this the other night that uh, the ends justify the means and that's pretty much how he looked at the NWO he no matter as a matter of fact I'll use Sting as a perfect example before they before Scott Hall spoke to Sting and gave Sting the idea of being the crow Sting that everybody calls him now that that incarnation of Sting is known as the Crow Sting. Before he spoke to Sting about that, Sting was telling Bischoff how his 
character was slowly dying the fifteen different ways he told him that. How if how if he didn't handle the NWO differently, he was gonna lose the credibility he had built up being there for I'm thinking it was nine years at that time. Or eight years. So never leaving, staying there even before they were even WCW, he was there. So that's why it was smart of him to listen to Scott Hall. Because if you want to keep from having your character ruined by being attacked all the time, then you make people believe you're part of that. Reverse psychology, which is exactly why they wanted Hogan to turn in the first place. It was reverse psychology with the fans. And he, the best part of this, was that the storyline was so popular that even professional athletes were either wearing an NWO shirt or fans of those sports were wearing the NWO shirts in the stands. In the in the stands of either baseball games or football games or whatever game it is. Basketball game also. So it showed how strong it was, but when they split him up and put, they took two of the biggest WCW stars that went against them in Luger and Sting and put them in the Wolf Pack. Then they used Randy Savage in the original NWO in the second Wolf Pack. So after a while, it uh, just everything just I think started to implode. Whenever they put, whenever they consolidated or united both groups into one again, that's when everything started to fall apart because they're like, I think the fans started to feel like, make up your mind. Do you want to have a separate group or do you want to have one full group? And then after a while, they started having too many unique people in it to begin with, and no matter how different, how many different ways you put it, it's not going to last, and that was what CM Punk said, and that's why they um, eventually just ended it, and the third incarnation of the NWO didn't last because there's a reason we go with foundational things. If you don't use the foundation, then it's not going to stand. Jeff Jarrett, great wrestler. I always liked his promo, his promo work myself, but he was not an NWO guy. He was a he was a WCW guy. Bret Hart was in the in, mm -hmm. in the NWO about a year after he got there, but once again, it's like it just didn't mean the same. So that's why, after a while, it just. Once they broke up, they never did it again, and though their time they spent was f phenomenal, and that's why I think they deserve being in the Hall of Fame. As a matter of fact, I think they should have been put in before DX, because they actually were around a little, no, not a little longer, but 
they were around before them, so I think they should have been put in before them. That's just my opinion of it. Nothing against Billy Gunn or Road Dog or China or X Pac or Triple H or Shawn Michaels. I just think I just think that to be fair about it, they should have put them in before DX. That's just my view. They even said that by having the Attitude Era and DX and actually they're gonna talk about DX later on, but all the in and the inclusion of Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack and Dude Love and Mankind, all these different um, formulas they put together, it just was a fun time to watch as a fan. And that's the last thing they spoke about, so I'm going to end right there. Thank y'all. My next episode is going to be Heart and Soul, the Red Heart. Uh, Bret Hart's um, Monday Night War story. Thank you and good.